Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to another episode of Selling Greenville, your favorite real estate podcast here in the greater Greenville area of South Carolina. I am your host, Stan McCune, realtor right here in technically Greer, South Carolina, and you might hear the planes flying over uh, because there's more airplane uh, traffic than we've had uh, the past year, and I live right near the airport. So you might hear some of that um, because the airport is actually, GSP airport is in Greer, believe it or not. I know, that's heresy, but that's the way it is. It's dishonest, maybe a little bit deceptive, but you fly into Greer, you don't fly into Greenville. But nonetheless, um, I am your host, um, realtor right here in, in the Greenville area, and all of my contact information is in the show notes. Should you need me, should you need a realtor, um, should you want to talk about the podcast, I am always happy to do that. If I miss your call or miss uh, or don't immediately respond to your text, don't worry, I will get back with you. That is what I always do. That's what I'm known for. Everyone always tells me that I'm very responsive, and uh, that's the one thing that I can promise to to everyone is that I try to be as responsive as possible. You're not going to call me and find that my voicemail box is full, like a lot of other realtors. Um, that drives me crazy. Um, and uh, yeah, reach out to me. I'd be happy to talk to you. Um, as well, uh, as I always say, please leave a rating or a review for the show. I greatly appreciate that, and uh, it helps to get the show out to the masses. Um Today, I'm going to be talking about a recent listing that I had, and I'm hoping that it sells this week. Um, it is, or, sorry, not this week, next week. Um, it is supposed to uh, close fairly soon. We're just waiting, you know, as always, uh, always waiting in real estate. We're just waiting to get to the finish line here. Um, but as you guys know, I am a residential realtor, but as a residential realtor, sometimes I find myself in this like pseudo commercial space because what ends up happening is in the residential space, you get some small multifamily duplexes, triplexes, quadruplexes, and, and sometimes packages of those things. And Really, uh, in the commercial space is more when you start getting more into the larger multifamily deal, apartment complexes and things like that. And I recently had uh, an interesting opportunity to sell, uh, to list, again, we're still waiting to get to closing, but to list a package of 15 condos. Now, this is a really interesting, uh, unique situation where these are 15 condos in a community that has around 100 condos. And, and these condos are kind of spread out throughout the community, so they're not all in one building. Um, and there is an HOA, there are HOA fees. And so you really don't control the exterior structures of the buildings. You, you really have, in essence, the, the interiors of, of the buildings, as is commonplace with condos. And you don't have any land. Um, but these uh, condos, they all have cash flowed very well. They've all had great uh, rental history. And so there is a lot of, of things going for them. Um, so I had this unique opportunity with, with this unique package to list all 15 of them as kind of one single multifamily listing uh, that the kind of listing that doesn't normally come up 
uh, on the MLS. It's, it's a, a pretty rare type of situation. And I just want to, I, I just found it interesting. Some of the things, some of the experiences that I had in dealing with that, um, I thought that you all would, would find interesting, particularly those of you who are investing in, in real estate here in Greenville. When I listed these, um, it, you know, right away, I didn't hear anything, but like about 24 to 48 hours after they went on the MLS, my phone started to, to blow up and it really didn't stop until they went under contract. And I was getting calls from anyone and everyone and what I've, I already knew this, but what I really learned, what, what, what was really solidified in my mind is that there is really a massive demand all through the U.S. for small investment portfolios. I was getting calls from Nevada. I was getting calls from Virginia. I was getting calls from California. I was getting calls from all over the place, people that saw this. And, you know, it, it was listed for a very fair price. We had uh, we had it listed for $1.185 million, $1,185,000 for, for 15 condos, um, all in fairly good shape as, as far as we knew. Um, and there is just a tremendous amount of demand out there nationwide for this type of arrangement. Like I said, I was getting calls from all over the place. Um, and the impression that I get is that green it being in the Greenville area helped, but that this is just a nationwide thing. People are just looking to scoop up these types of deals. And my hunch is that if I had been able to list the whole community, all 100 doors, I probably would have gotten that under contract right away as well. Unfortunately, um, most of the people in the community, because they're making so much money off these condos, did not want to sell. So I tried to get a few other people uh, to sell because we had a few, actually a few sellers together and in on this. Um, but it, at the end of the day, 15 was the most uh, that we could do. But I was getting calls from people that were like, hey, can you get us more? How many more of these can you get? People telling me, hey, if you ever get another deal like this, please keep my number, call me. Um, it got, honestly, to be overwhelming. It was just like, I, I don't know how I can possibly, you know, obviously I've got a CRM and whatnot to keep up with different people, but like keeping them all straight, you know, when you get called by 30, 40 different people, um, it was uh, nearly impossible. Um, so, and, and interestingly, I got calls uh, from several people that I knew, some people that were, perhaps you're listening to the show, um, that were like, Hey, Stan, why didn't you tell us about this? And, you know, there were various reasons why some people I told, uh, the deal to and others I didn't, um, simply because I know what my clients and what my, my friends and my colleagues are looking for. And for some people, I didn't feel like this was going to be the good fit for, for the type of, uh, for the type of real estate investment that they were looking to do. Uh, but the long story short is there is a ton of demand in the U.S. for these types of uh, portfolios. And I think it would have sold, you know, I think I could have listed it for dramatically more if 
these 15 units made up the entire community because that the biggest complaint that I got from people was okay we're only going to have 15% of the community and there's an HOA we don't have control um, so that was a concern that, that a lot of people had which is exactly what I knew would happen um, that didn't catch me by surprise at all um, but it just reinforced it even more that okay if I had the entire community for sale, it would sell in a heartbeat. Another uh, takeaway that I had from this is, uh, and, and again, this was something that I, I kind of knew, but I didn't know it to the extent that I know it now. Um, people are desperate to do 1031 exchanges. And for if you're uh, not big into real estate investing, you're not sure what a 1031 exchange is, it's a way that if you, if you have a long-term investment in real estate, uh, you, can, you can sell that real estate investment and then within a certain period of time, identify a property to replace it and purchase that property. And then in essence, your capital gains tax uh, that you would have paid, which would be a lot of money, gets deferred. You can kick that can down the road. Um, and you might want to do that for a variety of reasons. You might want to wait until you have more money to be able to pay your capital gains taxes. Or, you know, if you're playing the long game, um, at least the way, I, and, and you need to talk to a financial advisor or a 1031 intermediary to, to get more specifics on this. But classes that I've been to, the way it's been taught to me and the way I understand it, and, and this is not advice. Again, <laughs> got to clarify this. Um, but my understanding is that if, if you have uh, properties that you have deferred capital gains on by means of 1031 exchanges, and then you die and that property is inherited by your children, that your children do not have to pay that capital gains tax. Um, I don't know all the nuances of a tax law. Somebody, I mentioned that to someone recently, and they were like, well, what about the death taxes? Like, you know, I, I don't know how all of that works together. I am not an accountant. Talk to your accountant if you have questions about that. Um, but the long story short is that 1031 exchange is a way to defer and and maybe in this very rare situation uh, make it to where nobody ends up having to pay capital gains tax if you, if you die, <laughs> of course, and your children inherit the property. Um, and so there are people that are really desperate to do this because what there is is there's once you sell real estate and you're wanting to reinvest the proceeds from uh from that investment that you sold into another investment in order to not have to pay those capital gains uh right away you only have a 45 day window when you can legally legally identify the next property that you're going to purchase and that is not very long i mean 45 days the lack of inventory right now, which we talk about, I know, ad nauseum on this podcast, but it's such a major factor in the market today. But investors are just desperate. I think this is why I was getting calls from all over the country. Uh, a big part of it, these people were looking to do 1031 exchanges and were just like, oh man, I've only got a couple of weeks left to identify a property. I've tried on several of them. None of them have worked out. And here they are. They're kind of, they're kind of stuck, um, and that's something that 
you know, obviously as a realtor, I'm, I'm kind of like, I wish I could tap into that market more. I, I have in the past. I've, ha I've had several clients over the years uh, do 1031 exchanges. Um, but what's interesting is how few of these people as well are, um, are being helped by a realtor. That, that's a fascinating part of it as well. And uh, they're trying to, to go about it on their own. And that, that might be part of the, the fool's errand of it all. Um, uh, there are a lot of realtors out there that don't understand how a 1031 exchange works. I, I feel like I have a pretty good understanding of it. I've gone to classes. Um, I'm uh, actually in the process of potentially doing one myself with some properties that I'm selling. Um, and so after that, I should really know how it works. Um, but... Um, that's just something to keep in mind. Have Don't just go at it on your own if you're trying to do a, a 1031 exchange. Um, so that was another another takeaway. Another major takeaway is, and, and again, none of these were like, like I had never realized this before type of takeaways, but it was more just reinforcing it in a very real way. Because this is real money, right? You know, now we're talking about over a million dollar deal. Like this isn't, chump change right that we're not talking about purchasing you know this isn't joe blow purchasing a duplex for two hundred fifty thousand. this is this is real money now this is this is the big boys um there is some serious money being thrown around right now obviously in the u.s but obviously here in greenville as well and uh you know at the end of the day the offer that we accepted was an all-cash offer all cash offer. And, you know, even the people that were looking to finance it, they were looking to bring a tremendous amount down. One person had, you know, over $700,000 that, um, that he was, you know, trying to put down and then, you know, going to finance the rest. I mean, there is a tremendous amount of money being thrown around in the real estate world right now. And interestingly, some of the, the people that contacted me, a, a large number of the people that, that contacted me about these condos, um, let me know in one way or another that, that they were immigrants. And I find that very interesting as well. And, and I'm not going to try to, I, I have to be careful uh, when I'm talking about immigration-related stuff. This is not a politics podcast. And as a realtor, I have to be careful, you know, in terms of fair housing how I how I handle some of the delicacies there, um, but whatever your if you picture you know that like you know the average person that is uh, buying up these uh, rental properties are just these you know American-born hedge fund guys. You got to rethink that. There is there are some wealthy people from other countries in, in our nation and they are looking to buy real estate and they're 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 looking to spend quite a bit of money doing that um and you know in some ways some of the the questions that they ask and and again i'm not trying to paint with really broad strokes but some of the questions i got from some of these people who revealed to me that they were immigrants they're different questions than what i'm getting from uh, from some others, and so it's unique. They're bringing a different perspective. They're bringing a different energy. Uh, they're bringing, uh, you know, obviously money into the foray, and so I think that's exciting. Personally, I like to see that. I like to see uh, a lot of people 
from a lot of different backgrounds entering the markets and and uh, and doing real estate transactions. Um, and so there's not a clear, there's not a single profile that you can put um, all these investors under. There is a great amount of diversity in the real estate investor world. Here's another takeaway that that I had from it. And, and this one is a, uh, a bit different than the others. Uh, but accountants being behind right now is majorly complicating the process of people doing these big transactions on like multiple fronts. So uh, there are a lot of accountants right now that they've just gotten crushed by by COVID, um, by all the different uh, stimulus things that the government has done, the, the PPP loan, which now, you know, there's another deadline for that. Um, you know, all this unemployment, and there's just so many different things that accountants have had to do the past year to year and a half that they've never had to do before. And it, it's putting them in a bind. And so they're having to stretch themselves really thin and cut the cut the fat out of what they're doing. And in a lot of cases, what I'm hearing uh, over and over again is that their accountants, uh, people's, a lot of people's accountants have not, you know, completed their 2020 taxes yet. They've had to uh, extend that out. They have not completed their 2020 bookkeeping yet, and uh, and you know there are, are other things as well that that aren't being done in the normal timely manner, and that's a challenge. That's a challenge with people trying to get financing on a on a bigger package like this. Um, a lot of banks they want to see those 2020 tax returns. Um, it's a challenge for. Uh, those that, uh, well, in the case of, of some of these condos that were being sold, I didn't have all of the records firmed up. It was hard for me to get, because like I mentioned before, there are multiple sellers uh, involved with this. It was hard for me to get all of the records, all the financial records from some of them, because some of them still didn't have their things from their accountants from, from 2020. Um, and so this is a, a major challenge right now. And, and I think that uh, my suspicion is that we're going to continue to see this for the next little bit, at least, and that it's going to make it make it challenging for people to to purchase these types of of property types of packages, as well as the people purchasing them are probably going to have to to be in the dark a little bit in terms of what they're actually purchasing, because they might not have all the P&L statements. They might not have all of the financial records. Another um, takeaway that I had, and and again, I keep saying this, this was not a surprise. It was just a reinforcement. Um, Many of the agents, and and I'm not trying to bash other agents out there. I, I fully understand that I posted this in the MLS. So this was blasted out to a lot of residential realtors and and some of them were polite enough to admit that they had never done dealt with anything like this and it was a little bit outside their wheelhouse um nonetheless many agents that i communicated with i could immediately tell they did not know what questions to ask and i could immediately tell which ones did know what questions to ask it's it's very you can assess that if you if you're in this investment world, which I am, again, I'm not a commercial agent, but I have kind of a toe dipped in the in the 
commercial multifamily business just by virtue of the fact that I've done uh, several smaller multifamily deals and, and I'm educated enough on the larger ones as well to uh, educate enough to be dangerous on it at least. Um, it doesn't take me long to, to be able to identify, okay, this, this person has no idea what he or she is talking about. They don't know what questions to ask. They don't know how to represent their client, blah, blah, blah. Um, they're, they're in over their heads. And on the flip side, there were some that they immediately dove into, you know, you, you can tell by the abbreviations, you know, they, they start throwing all these different abbreviations at you. Um, well, do you have this, you know, do I need to sign a, an LOI and how many P&Ls do you have? And, and do you have, uh, this document, that document, you know, and, um, and, and those are just basic examples, obviously, but, um, and those are the ones that, you know, when it, when they're speaking the language naturally, it's like, okay, they get it. They, they know exactly what they're looking for and they are going about it the right way. They're representing their client well. And, um, I, um, the way I approach this, I had all the information kind of teed up and ready to go, but because there's a lot of like delicate financial, uh, information that, you know, is, is being revealed as things get, get, you know, divvied out to different people. I was not just putting that on display for everyone. Um, if I, if someone asked me for information, then I had the ability to provide it. My clients gave me that ability to, to provide that information to, to people that were trustworthy that I could provide it to. And, and again, because this wasn't a, this is a unique deal. We weren't doing LOIs and all of that. Um, but nonetheless, um, I approached it from, Hey, part of the evaluation process, as I was listening to these people talking to me, part of the evaluation process for me as a realtor, for me to go present to my clients, Hey, here is the type of buyer that I think we're dealing with here. I wanted to hear what questions those those agents were asking me. That helped me to understand better the headspace of the buyer, better the headspace of the agent, to better understand what type of a transaction this is going to be. Is this going to be the type of transaction where they're going to want to do a tremendous amount of due diligence, have a gazillion inspections done? You know, if that's the case, this isn't really a great property uh, to, to be having a gazillion inspections done. I mean, we got 14 out of the 15 units occupied. How are we going to, you know, how are we going to disrupt the tenants multiple times over a multi-week period? Um, and, and at the end of the day, a big factor for the one that we ended up selecting was that they seemed a lot more interested in the financials and whatnot that, that we did provide upfront versus getting into all of all of uh, the weeds on like, okay, we need a, a month long due diligence period and, and all of these different things. Um, the, the vibe that I got and that I let my clients know at the end of the day, they have to make the decision was, okay, this, this seems like someone that understands what they're doing. They understand that, that the finances work and that doing, you know, a ridiculous due diligence period really isn't necessary at the end of the day because they're looking at it more from a numbers perspective 
than needing to get into the weeds on like, you know, is there a leaky faucet in, uh, in some of these? Is there, you know, is there a tenant that has uh, an extra person staying in his or her unit that we didn't know about? You know, they're, they weren't interested in that. They were looking at it more from a money perspective. And that was the type of client that we were hoping to get. That was the type of buyer we were hoping to get. Um, and uh, I think we I think we got it at the end of the day. But you can assess that, and I was able to assess that in the moment, gauging the questions, engaging uh, the types of, of reactions that I was getting as people were contacting me. Um, so a very unique experience. Um, I don't know if I'll ever do something like this again. I, I hope I do because I've enjoyed it. Um, I think it was a fun experience. It was it was very demanding. Um, we we went about this the right way, you know, doing it as more of a residential deal. We had sellers disclosures and whatnot on every single unit. I had a lot of paperwork to do, a tremendous amount of paperwork in order to to get this to be MLS compliant. And in order to get this, you know, to to be compliant with C. Dan Joyner, my my firm that I'm currently with, and all of that, um, it was a lot of work, but it's been worth it. And hopefully, at some point here in the future, I will be able to do something else like this because I can see now there is a massive market out there that's just salivating over this type of deal. And a lot of times, these types of deals go off market, um, and I think I have now uh, been able to demonstrate that there's a way that you can go about it by doing it on market as well. That 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 can be a good way to go about it. That doesn't merely have to be an off-market type of transaction. So if you're looking at selling off a package of uh, units, single-family, condos, multifamily, whatever it is, let me know. I'll be honest with you if I think I can help you or not. I'll be honest with you if if the types of, of prices that you're looking to get, um, if if those are realistic or not, that's just, I'm a straight shooter, but I'd love the opportunity to at least talk to you about it. Um, and if you have any other questions, all my contact information is in the show notes. As always, please leave the show a rating and a review. And uh, I hope you guys have some happy investing yourself and a good rest of the week.